Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heard on the Street, Street Fight's podcast where we uncover the stories behind the companies, and more importantly, the people that constitute this sector of media and advertising that we all call local. So where are they from? What makes them tick? What business and life lessons can we draw from that? So I'm Mike Boland, lead analyst at Street Fight, and our guest today is Sigvart Voss Eriksson, who's CEO of TapPad, which specializes in a cross-device identity graph for brand marketing. So we talked to Sigvart from our studio in San Francisco about the trends he's tracking and best practices he's exercising. So here's our discussion with Sigvart. So Sigvart, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, uh, Mike. Uh, great to be here. Yep. So we have a lot to talk about, including diving deeper into a few of the things I just mentioned. But first, for context, let's start with a quick intro for you and TapAd for those unfamiliar. Sure. Um, so uh, I was actually born in the U.S., but to Norwegian parents. Um, so I think I was about six months old when uh, my parents took me back to, to Norway, where I grew up. Um, eventually, I uh, took a Master of Science in Computer Science in those early days of Internet, um, which, uh, which was sort of my introduction to, to, to tech. Uh, however, I joined a telco, uh, which then took me on an international career path. Um, and so prior to coming to the U.S. and, and TAPAD, I spent a good decade as, as CMO in various operations in, in Europe and in APAC. Mm. Um, so uh, maybe I, I, I'll cover that my, you know, coming here, which really was what brought me not only to the U.S. but also into the ad tech scene and 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 TapAd. Uh, as I mentioned, I was a CMO uh, for the, uh, you know, most part of my career. Uh, my last um, CMO stint was in was in Thailand. Um, uh, in in the second largest telco there, uh, we had around 25 million customers, and you know it's been, it has it, we were increasingly starting to spend digitally, um, and you know as a telco you have a huge amount of data, um, and what was interesting but also extremely frustrating was that you know as a CMO and you know you're building up this data operation but you really you're really looking through a keyhole uh, in the sense that you know as you have your CRM data, you you know a lot about your customers, but you know very little about what's happening in the uh, in the wild, if you may. And uh, just a core problem as to which other devices are there on other than the one you actually see uh, makes it you know makes uh, marketing quite inefficient, uh, you know, without solutions to that. So, long story short, Telenor, which was uh, the the owner of the company I was in there and uh, ended up acquiring Tapad partially as a solution to that problem, uh, you know, to, to, to really uh, open up the door, if you may, so that you could uh, not only see through the keyhole, but but get a get a fuller view of, of the market. Uh, so I came over to the US to oversee the transaction originally, and then eventually stepped in as, as CEO. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been fun uh, and, and very interesting because I'm sort of in the midst of, of sol solving some of the challenges and problems that I was suffering through as a marketer. 
uh, back in the days, you know, uh, operating as a, as a CMO. Yeah, it, it certainly seems that that theme is pervasive in terms of reconciling some of those data silos. Certainly mm-hmm. relates to a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today with respect to TapAd. Um, so before moving into that deeper dive on TapAd, um, a few questions. So that's a very kind of eclectic and interesting background. How many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak uh, five languages. So. Nice. Uh, not all of them as fluent, but uh, but but yeah, uh, I've lived in Spain, so I speak, speak Spanish. I studied Russian. I speak Russian. I speak a bit of Slovene because of my Slovene uh, uh, wife and Norwegian and, and English. Yeah, that's great, and that's impressive. Not just because of the number of languages, but crossing over different kind of you know, lineages and etymology in terms of like not just being all romance languages, which are kind of, you know, easier transferable, but, you know, Spanish, but then also like some Slavic language, Slavic languages, excuse me. So very impressive. And, and before we move on, uh, we also like to bring up interesting tidbits about the, the past of our, our guests. Um, so uh, I understand that you spent some time in the Norwegian military. So tell us a, a brief bit about that before we go into TAPAD. Yeah, I did. Uh, so that's actually where I uh, studied Russian. Uh, ah. So... Um, I had a few weeks out in the woods as part of the uh, the entry and the exams that we had to take. But then after that, I, I was mainly uh, <laughs> behind a desk uh, studying. Right. So it, it might uh, you know it might sound a bit uh, more action packed than it than it really was. Ah, all right, that's great. No, thank you for going to that. So uh, now let's talk a little bit about uh, Tapad. That brings us kind of to the present. So let's sure. go one level deeper on on really what the company. Um, provides. And we can do that through the lens of, you know, it's kind of flagship, which is the TAPAD graph, which works to, as you mentioned, you know, start to reconcile those differences across different data silos, which of course today is a challenge for marketers because we're all using so many different devices and modalities and platforms. So really bringing some insight and clarity to the kind of cross-device user behavior, of course, is a valuable thing. So let's talk a bit about the TAPAD graph and, and how you're accomplishing that and the points of differentiation, because there are a lot of folks out there that kind of make that claim. Um, so, so, so what are you guys sure. up to? Yeah, so uh, starting basically with the core problem that we, we solve. So what we do is, is essentially to connect devices uh, to users and uh, users to households anonymously. Uh, this way, um, we make it easier for uh, for brands to to reach consumers uh, through or on whichever device and platform they're on. Um, so uh, we sit kind of in the midst of the ecosystem. Uh, we provide brands, agencies, platforms, publishers uh, with uh, what is essentially the largest global uh, cross-device uh, uh, graph in the market. And I think, you know, in terms of differentiation, um, you know, scale is really uh, one of our key points. Um, now, scale is in terms of number of devices and, and our gl- global reach, uh, you know, as a first point. But then it's also in terms of depth uh, with, uh, you know, the, the, the number of times that and how often we see, uh, we see a device um, and, and are able to connect them uh, together. Uh, and this is really on the back of, uh, you know, now a uh, good nine years of, of uh, building up um, not only technology, but it, but the customer base, which is where our biggest data source lies. Uh, mm. That's uh, so that's, um, uh, you know, that that's a really, really 
important part of of how we uh, how we build a graph uh, yeah. is, is essentially the contributions from our, our clients. And, and it seems like the name of the game here is a combination of things. I mean, it's the data science, it's your technology chops, but also, as you mentioned, the breadth and depth of the data source. Um, and, and not only that, the longevity over time, as you point out. So let's talk mm. a little bit more about what those data sources are. I mean, is it directly working with publisher partners or carriers? Or how does that look like in terms of like the, the variety of data you're ingesting to then um, like pro uh, provide value to your, your customers? Yeah, no. So, so as I mentioned, the, the, um, uh, our model is, you know, in, in its essence, is, is really a co-op model. Uh, so, so, so clients provide uh, you know, um, contribute to to the graph, and then uh, we procure some data to uh, uh, to to fill the gaps. Um, so it's you know the network effect of our sort of um, uh, customer base is is really the the main source of uh, of the data for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I can see the the value trade off for them. Um, in, in terms of participating in that. Exactly. Um, so so let's, um, let's, I guess, paint that with a, with a few examples. Um, you know, expanding on that, um, do you have any kind of mini case studies or, or even just, you know, some of the companies you work with and how you're bringing them value, uh, anything quantifiable? Um, yeah, so I, I, the, the, the thing with, uh, with our, um, uh, you know, with our product is that, it it really spans a lot of uh, use cases. If you if you kind of consider the LumaScape, we 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 are a supplier to uh, you know to players all the way from the demand side you know through you know that whole um, uh, set of, of platforms uh, over to um, to the supply side. Uh, so in that sense, it's it, you know it's it's really a variety of, of use cases. But uh, maybe to to sort of give you uh, an example and and bringing it back to what I um, what I mentioned in the intro, you know, me as a CMO and a marketer in 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 a telco, uh, as a you know, we we had as I mentioned a lot of our own data, but we were not really able to see outside of that, and that mm. means. Uh, you know, we would, as a telco, you see when it, when your own customer is on your own uh, website, let's say, or app uh, on uh, on a device, and you're able to connect that, but you're not able to scale uh, outside of it. So you don't know, for instance, you know, which uh, or if, if you see an an iPad that that iPad is connected to the same user or part of the same household. Mm -hmm. Uh, and from a marketing perspective, both for for targeting, so so just for reach and uh, you know audience extension, you can say, um, but also for for measurement, attribution, etc. This is extremely powerful. Um, so so what we what we typically provide to you know to to brands is that you know starting on the targeting side with uh, with, with the extension and reach. Uh, and then going all the way through to the other side on the measurement side where, again, you know, uh, making sense of which household or individual uh, a certain device or, or for that sake, a browser uh, is connecting to um, is, is valuable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're actually going to pause there for a quick commercial break when we come back more from Sigvart. 
Hello everyone, this is Mike Bolin, lead analyst at Street Fight, and I'd like to talk to you today about Brandify, which is Street Fight's parent company. It's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations. So that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local market platform and it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech savvy consumers so to learn more visit brandify.com so we're back so Sigvart, before the break, we were talking about um, the value proposition of TapAd and even a few examples of how you are kind of manifesting that value proposition into um, tangible results for the companies you work with. Um, so, so let's go a little bit deeper on like who, who those types of companies are, your constituents, their personas. Um, you know, one is is brand advertisers who, who as we all know, have a, a great deal or place a great deal of value in the ability to have that insight and visibility across devices. So breaking that down a bit, are there any kind of particular like verticals or product areas that map particularly well to to how you're serving? Yeah, sure. Um, so historically and traditionally, and uh, you know, to this day, I, I think, you know, our main constituents are, are really sort of within the ad tech ecosystem. We, we as I mentioned earlier, we, we, uh, we have clients across the Lumascape, if you may. Yep. What is interesting, though, is that on the brand side, and, uh, and to your question, um, it, it's not necessarily as much about the special verticals as it is about you know the uh, brands that have a uh, significant amount of of data ah. and and the capability to uh, to use it uh, because what we've seen as a trend is you know large consumer brands for instance um, increasingly uh, taking control uh, over their own data but then also being very curious as to how they can activate that in the in the ecosystem and how they can measure it and that's where we came in, uh, w where we come in so what we what we've seen over the past i would say like yeah maybe one two years is uh, an increasing amount of of these uh, more legacy brands you can say large uh, companies uh, that are building out these capabilities and come knocking on our door uh, you know to to uh, to see how they can use our data to to enrich their own um, yeah, and the other category I just want to mention is is also D2C, uh, which is sort of more of an emerging category of, of brands that are using, uh, that are very data-driven and using sort of modern tools and techniques. And, you know, typically they might not have, as, you know, as, as, as startups and, and smaller uh, brands, at least in the, in the initial phase, they might not have that much um, 
own data, uh, but uh, you know, typically they grow fast and they need scale and uh, and and significant reach. And that's that's again where we come in and can provide them, you know, that that um, that visibility and 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 reach beyond what uh, what they might sit with on their own. That that makes sense. Now to clarify those types of businesses, you're talking about the kind of direct to consumer segment like Casper and Dollar Shave Club and and exactly nice. Yeah, that makes yep. a lot of sense. So that actually leads to the next question. So it, it makes sense that the the value is best realized by businesses that don't necessarily map to certain verticals, but map to certain behaviors and strategies like those that either are utilizing their data or have a lot of data that they want to start utilizing. Um, so with that in mind, where do you believe some of the business segments exist that that perhaps are the biggest growth areas? I mean, D to C, direct to consumer could be one because as you mentioned, they are now trying to, or they're growing in number, but they're also have a more a, a greater hunger for getting mm -hmm. that consumer data so that they can you know, reformulate their marketing given that this uh, or as opposed to traditional businesses that or or brands that work through maybe retailers or other distribution channels the fact that they're going to direct to consumer means that they really have to have a better sense of that um so so what other segments do you believe are, are growth areas that um you know in terms of untapped desire demand and utilization of, of data yeah, it's a good question. I think, I, I, you know, I, I think we're really uh, going to see the same kind of categories. But if you look at, you know, if I, I mentioned large uh, corporations and, and large consumer brands coming knocking on our door now, uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's really the, the start. The thing is that, you know, the, the threshold or the bar for for companies to really take uh, good control over their data and, and model it, et cetera, with with all of the technology that has emerged in, in this space on the CRM side, uh, you know, uh, different kind of uh, cloud computing and, and machine learning models, et cetera, being, uh, you know, it, it, you can run it at a much lower cost and uh, um, and you have access to, to tools which essentially democratizes a lot of these techniques, right? Mm, yeah. uh, that, that gives, I think, it's lowering the threshold um, you know, for, for a longer tail of, of brands, uh, you know, to, to be much more data driven. Uh, and for us, that's a good thing. Uh, I think, well, for, for the whole ecosystem, that, that's, that's really a good thing. Yeah. Having said that, I just wanted also to mention that, you know, for, uh, since we are also, we're sitting behind most of the platforms in the ecosystem, of course, if you don't have these capabilities yourself, you can always access cross-device marketing through uh, some of the existing platforms as well. Yeah. Well, that <clears> makes <throat> sense. And <clears throat> so so beyond the actual business segments that might represent opportunity based on how they're evolving, how about a similar question, but instead of business segments, capabilities and, you know, mm -hmm. adjacent capabilities that, that, that plug in well to the, you know, all of the data sources and, and data science that you've already built as a function of evolving user behavior. So for example, you know, voice is an emerging modality and front end that we're seeing that kind of fits into that, you know, multi-layered, multi-device cross-platform kind of consumer journey. <laughs> yep. um, so, so what are your thoughts on, on either voice or any others that represent consumer behavior? behavior that signals some kind of evolution in the product set? Sure. I, I think, uh, let me start with connected uh, TV, which sure. is sort of um, where I see m maybe the first and biggest opportunity, not only for us, but but for, for the ecosystem. 
uh, it's kind of uh, funny though. You know, I think it's it must be at least the past five years. It's uh, been said that yeah, this is the year of connected TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> and here we are again, 2020. It's going to be the year of, the, uh, of connected TV. Uh, but uh, you know, on a serious note though, I think um, you know the industry is maturing. There are more players in the in the market. Um, and and uh, you know the the, the penetration uh, is is increasing significantly as well. Um, what I hope to see, uh, and I, I I think we're starting to see uh, you know uh, the start of that is that we get into a, a more open programmatic type market on connected TV, and that's where I think we will play a role. And I think the whole uh, you know that that that's where the ecosystem will and should go. Um, so uh, that that's one really exciting area, um, but there's still, you know, some significant barriers there, especially on the activation side. Uh, you know that there are wall gardens which which are hard to penetrate, but uh, mm-hmm. you know we're seeing some cracks and, and openings uh, now, which which is super exciting. Um, now, before you go yeah. on to another modality, yeah. a quick question there, just focusing on connected TVs. Um, I've been yeah. experiencing this lately. You may have too, where you know I have YouTube TV, um, and there are a lot of commercial breaks if I'm mm-hmm. watching ESPN or CNN or whatever I'm watching, where it's you know an un, it's unfilled inventory. You know, it's kind of the house ad of just the brand logo and saying you know we'll be right back. And it seems like that represents what you're saying in terms of the. The, the untapped opportunity, whether or not those are walled gardens or whether that's inventory that's sold in a more premium kind of old school handshake fashion as opposed to program- programmatic or perhaps the demand's not there yet. I'm not sure which of those options it is. Perhaps you have insight, but it seems like that is one example of what you're talking about in terms of the opportunity to because there, there should never be a situation where I'm watching, you know. ESPN during during a you know a, a, a day part that is that is uh, you know attractive to advertisers, but yet that inventory just is remnant and or excuse me un, unfilled. No, exactly, and it, it makes it you know also very uh, irrelevant for you as a consumer, right? So, I mean that that's part of the trade off here. When you get free content, you know you, you you're willing to watch ads, but you would want to watch relevant ads, and and I think for publishers, be it YouTube or others. You want to make sure that you know you, you connect brands that are relevant for that that consumer, and and in this context, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to 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 sort of in a privacy safe way uh, uh, make those ads uh, uh, more relevant, yeah, you know, with the data driven strategies is is crucial, and I think it just has to develop that way uh, for the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, and, and to clarify for our audience, uh, what I was watching was not YouTube, the the core product, but YouTube TV, which TV. is their, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their paid their premium, premium uh, over the yeah. top. It, you know, it's similar to Hulu, uh, like Hulu has a comparative offer and Sling and, and several others. Um, yeah. So just to clarify for our audience, I mean, that's it's, it's watching cable TV just like you otherwise would, but those ad spots and those ad breaks aren't, aren't, aren't filled. Um, so, so before I cut you off, though, I'm not sure if there are any other technologies or areas of consumer evolution that you think represent opportunities for data. No, you were mentioning uh, you were mentioning voice, and you know we we will in- we are all of us increasingly um, you know connecting devices in our home, uh, which are voice enabled, um, and you know that uh, we have the Alexas, uh, the Google Homes, etc. 
but increasingly you'll see fridges and, you know, I don't know, maybe toasters yep. as well that are connected, right? We saw a lot of that at CES with some kind of wacky versions of things that are voice enabled. <laughs> yeah, I know. There is there is a lot of crazy ideas out there. But I think, you know, so, so this is this is definitely another uh, opportunity. But I, I would I would also, you know, uh, bring in the, the concept of privacy here. Because at the end of the day, you know, we, we as an industry need to uh, to to try to balance uh, here. Because, at, you know, I'm not expecting if I buy a toaster, I'm expecting that to produce, you know, uh, toasted bread. I'm not really, <laughs> uh, you know, ready to to, uh, to to watch ads on on my toaster, or uh, you know that there is a big data exhaust coming out of it. it it's sort of like you know. So, I, I think. There's a lot to be excited about connected devices in um, in the home, uh, but you know we need to tread that balance. Uh, so because it, it can feel very intrusive for 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 the consumers, uh, even if you uh, you know when you buy the toaster, you're you're signing up to some some privacy statement. Uh, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, so so there is a line to be drawn, but. Um, uh, all in all, I'm really excited, you know, seeing from our perspective as well. Uh, in any which case, uh, we are looking at these devices anonymously as, as just another connected device. Um, but the use cases here, obviously, they, they, they really have to be privacy safe um, in, in, this, uh, in this context. Absolutely. <clears throat> so we're actually going to pause there for another quick commercial break. When we come back, more from Sigvart. Hello everyone, this is Mike Bolin, lead analyst at Street Fight, and I'd like to talk to you today about Brandify, which is Street Fight's parent company. It's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations. So that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local marketing platform. And it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech-savvy consumers. So to learn more, visit Brandify.com. So we're back. My guest is Sigvart Voss Eriksson. Um, so Sigvart, before the break, we were talking about um, a lot of the opportunities on the horizon. Um, everything from connected TVs to voice to different business segments that are really evolving in their data demand and use. Uh, we talked a little bit about connected toasters. Um, so before we go into our lightning round um, and, and building from that discussion of like future opportunities, what about the nearer term? Like what are you most excited about and what are you working on now and what can we can what can we expect from Tapad um, in 2020? Uh, yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. So I mentioned uh, connected TV, and and we, uh, we we talked a bit about that. And uh, you know, really, that is 
you know, a, a focus for us and, and something that that I and, and we are very excited about, uh, you know, for, for, for this year and uh, but, but but the midterm as well. We are really at the what second, third inning there and and um, and we are that uh, there is more to come. So um so so that's one uh we continue to expand internationally which is also exciting um so so, so for us that's uh, that's uh, another area um and i think maybe the third just to to uh to round that off uh, is uh, uh we have built now a very uh flexible platform and what what is kind of exciting with with our uh, setup and the fact that we're um we're serving such a a diverse uh, set of clients within this ecosystem is the is the feedback loop that we have ah. because you know we 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 constantly have requests from from clients with uh, you know that 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 might be custom but that we then obviously uh, just because of the nature of the platform uh, we can make them available for 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 um, uh, other clients as well. So, so that you know, we've uh, over the past year or so, we've we've gone through um, a, an internal upgrade, you can say, of of our platform, making it much more flexible, which we're now really putting to test this year. So that's that's another thing that I'm I'm really excited about. Nice, that's great. So let's now go uh, right into our lightning round. This is where we get to find out some more kind of fun factoids about you. Um, mm -hmm. So, what's something about you that that few people know about? Um, well, I'm, I'm an aspiring helicopter pilot. Ah, cool. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think I'm about 50 flight hours in now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just love it. It's such a, such a thrill. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you, you really have to focus so much when you're flying that, that you just cannot think about anything else. And that's, uh, that's actually a really nice thing. So it's kind of my, my way of meditating. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or, or I thought you were based in New York. Is that difficult to get, you know, flight time in, in New York? Uh, no, it's not too bad. I, ah. I mean, you have to travel about an hour out. There's ah. a place, uh, Republic airport in Long Island, uh, you know, so it's not too far. Great. So, uh, what's a profession that you'd want to have if you weren't doing what you do now? Uh, helicopter pilot. There you go. Can I okay. say that? Yep, that's fine. <laughs> that yeah. that's genuine. Um, so, what's a company or tech startup that you think it would be most interesting or exciting to be a part of at at early stages or the moment of inception? And that could be as a participant or a fly on the wall. Uh, what immediately comes to mind is SpaceX. Ah. Um, just. You know the, the 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 incredible mission that they're on to colonize Mars, and then seeing how they're actually you know step by step, uh, you know breaking down barriers. It's it's amazing. Um, so so yeah, that that that's really my first thought. No, that's great. I, I don't think we've surprisingly we haven't gotten that answer. We get a lot of answers that are related in some ways to Elon Musk, um, such mm. as Tesla. That's a common answer, but but it really does fit his kind of persona of companies he's either involved with or or starting, such as um, you know Tesla, obviously, and the the energy grid and reforming energy, um, and you know obviously transportation, and and that is just the yep. ultimate pinnacle peak form of transportation is literally space travel so i think that's yeah. a great answer i mean just having that crazy vision of yeah all right we need to make the planet multi uh you know the 
uh, or, or sorry, the, the, our, our, uh, our humanity, multiplanetary, and, and then go off and do it. It's, yeah. it's just uh, absolutely uh, crazy in a good way. So, yeah, so we think, you know, yeah. data, data tracking is difficult cross-device and cross-platform. <laughs> Once we get to cross-planetary, that's yeah, another exactly. layer of uh, complexity. Um, absolutely. So yeah. um, what's your favorite uh, tech product or, or app that you use as a consumer? Yeah, um, I think I would say Audible, just because ah. it's it's made it possible for me to, uh, well, kind of read, uh, not really read, but uh, but you know, consume a lot more books. Um, so so yeah, I love that platform. I use it, uh, you know, every every day to and from work and and in the evening as well when the yeah. kids have uh, gone to bed so yeah we, we haven't gotten that answer either but i can say that that resonates with me because as an industry analyst i spend so much time reading throughout the day so you know when it's time for recreational reading my brain can't process any more words on a page so to be able to listen um is something that i've definitely appreciated in that product um, yeah it's beautiful and you can put it on 1.5 speed and then you'll yep will <laughs> be through too right exactly i like that feature too <laughs> awesome yeah. Um, so, who's someone from the business world that you admire most, and and that so, could be alive or deceased? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, 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 maybe I'll surprise you again. Um, so the the the, uh, the the CEO that came to mind is his name is Knut Storp. Um, he's actually the former Lego CEO. Oh. Uh, and he's the guy who turned around Lego from almost going under. Uh, to what you see, you see today to be a massive entertainment brand, and you know the the reason why it came to mind is just that you know as as a kid I was playing so much with Lego. I I have this you know really sort of fond memories of it, and now my kids are doing the same. Uh, and the way that the, he was able to turn it around is a little bit you know it's it's similar to to the Disney story and Bob yeah. Iger and and uh, it, it, yeah uh, so. Uh, a guy worth looking up, actually. Um, yeah. He's done a wonderful job with a brand that I just love. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, so what superhero power would you most want to have? Perhaps flying? Yep. That was... <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that comes to mind. Oh, the ability to fly. Imagine. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yep. Well, so you can actually use flying towards other superhero powers if you think about how Superman reversed the polarity of the Earth to go back in time. And, there you go. You know, fly sometimes... to Mars. You can do, you know, the Superman could do that too. Oh, there, uh, and fly to Mars. You know? Yeah, yeah. You can combine many, <laughs> many goals into that one. So that's, that's <laughs> a good take answer. SpaceX out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So um, uh, ending off, um, what are some of your personal goals? We talked about the company goals for 2020. What are your, some of your personal goals for, for this year? Yeah. Uh, hmm. It's going to sound a little bit like a cliche maybe, but, but it's, for, for me, it's really – uh quality times with the kids yeah. i have an uh eight and nine year old uh one who is now on the traveling soccer team and uh you know we're spending weekends and and evenings uh um, with him and yeah it's just a great time they're so alive and uh you know it's it's uh you know they have a hobby which i also like it's it's just great so as much time as possible yeah uh, is uh, would be the goal that's great. I don't think it's cliche, but even if it is, you can be forgiven for giving several unique answers in this lightning round. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and that's a great place to end it. So that's all the time we have. I want to thank you, Sigvart, for spending time with us. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fun. Um, so thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes of Heard on the Street. You can find us on streetfightmag.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Also stay tuned for lots more writings and multimedia from Street Fight. So this has been Heard on the Street. I'm Mike Boland. Thanks for listening.